Hi. Ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Glenn Kelman. Well, I think you just have to model the behavior that you want others to embrace. So asking the most junior person in the room what his or her opinion is, listening respectfully to different people, especially, though, the nut jobs, the heretics, the people who have some kind of idea that really runs counter to the conventional wisdom within the company. Glenn, thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know what Redfin is, can you give us the quick overview? Ah, Redfin is a technology-powered real estate broker. So you should think of us as being similar to Amazon in some ways, except for buying a house. We give you a full-service agent who's really paid to be on your side, but we charge half the fee. That is a good, concise pitch right there. Ah, well, I've done it before. <laughs> so um, and how long have you guys been public? About a year and a half. Okay. And, and how long had you been around uh, previous to the IPO? About 10 years. So it took us a little while to figure out how we could deliver such great service at a low price. There was a retail component to that. Um, but we also invented map-based search, so helping people find listings on a map. And that made the business more interesting but more difficult to build. Uh, just because there were these two sides to it, the online side and the retail side. Sure. Um, when you think about the name of the show here, Innovation and Leadership, um, you've obviously mm -hmm. been involved a lot with, with startups and even, even before mm -hmm. Redfin. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the business media likes to talk about these subjects a lot. Um, mm. And I'm sure you get questions with the way you guys have shaped the market. But what's, what's either an aspect of innovation or an aspect of leadership that you don't think gets talked about enough? that you think is worth discussing? Humility. There's so many leadership qualities that are impossible to emulate. No one is going to be a better public speaker than Winston Churchill or Barack Obama or John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan. But everyone can be humble and trying to figure out a really difficult problem when you're acting like you know it all is almost impossible. So I think that if you want to work with people for a long time where you can start one company and then go to another and bring everyone over, you can't be stuck up about it. You have to be really humble. And in this day and age, there is a premium placed on brashness. Everybody wants to be like Steve Jobs or now Elon Musk. And the best advice I ever got was that unless you're a genius, you're going to have to try something else. And since I'm not, I decided that I would just admit my faults and have people around me who could help me get better. Um, you know, it's interesting how it is uh, such a trait we tend to admire in people we know, but it's something that doesn't get talked about as much, isn't it? Well, especially with leaders, I think there's a temptation when you're interviewed by the press uh, to present a condensed version of a story in which you play the starring role and you eliminate all the missteps. But actually, if you go through the process of how we figured things out, you'll see that we were able to recover quickly from our mistakes because we were fairly humble about it, where we 
just expected to screw up in all sorts of ways and tried to be very frugal about each iteration so that we got more mistakes than other companies. And that is what allowed us to prosper. Yeah. Um, I'm interested, uh, as you think about leaders who had an impression on you, can you think of, mm-hmm. of somebody who, who, dis- who displayed that humility and leadership that you look up to? Well, the preeminent figure here in Seattle is Jeff Bezos. And I do think that he has built a company uh, that's extremely entrepreneurial based on this very strange architecture where the way the business is organized, the way the software is built, draws on these services that are created by tiny little teams all over the business. And it's basically a very humble way to build a business. It's not top down, it's bottoms up where the best ideas compete for resources in an almost open marketplace. And I don't embrace everything about that, um, but I certainly embrace that entrepreneurial spirit. Talked to Jeff Bezos a couple of times. We're not personal friends or anything like that. Uh, But just hearing him speak once, the best advice I got was that you should say why not more often. When Redfin tried to raise money, 75 or 100 venture capitalists passed on the idea, but one said yes. And now I think about how at Redfin, you have to get seven or eight or nine different managers to approve your idea. And if the one directly above you doesn't say why not, well, then you'll never go far. So I think it can be really hard for a know-it-all company to be innovative um, if you don't have people saying why not, if you don't ask yourself, well, maybe everything I know, everything I believe in is preventing me from seeing the greatness of someone else's idea. And I think that Amazon is built on that principle to, to challenge your most deeply held beliefs and to create space for everyone to have an idea. The other thing that I really like about Amazon that I don't think enough people have talked about is Jeff Bezos is obviously a very good writer. And I'm not talking about flowery rhetoric. If you read his shareholder letters, they're incredibly concise and very opinionated. And that allows him to communicate at scale a very specific idea of how the company ought to work. And I think that rigor um, is often lost when people are pitching ideas because they're good at talking or they're charismatic or they've got nice hair. Um, But I think it's really important to create a company that has some kind of intellectual rigor around precisely conveying an idea and being really opinionated uh, rather than being ruled by consensus. So what does that look like for you guys? How do you how do you promote that? How do you get that to catch on internally at your firm? Well, I I think mainly we just eliminate presentations almost entirely. What I want is a point of view coming into a meeting, which means that you should be able to express it in advance. And then when we meet, uh, it's to discuss the idea, not to have one person present it, but to exchange ideas about it. And sometimes we discover that we don't need to meet at all because meetings are awful. You know, if you look at any satire of an office, whether it's uh, (laughs) The Office or Dilbert or something else, it's always people dying of boredom in meetings. And I think what's exciting is when you get an idea that's clearly expressed. So I'll often look at a a presentation of an idea where someone has written down, this is what I want to do. Here I stand, for I cannot be moved. And I'll say, we don't need to meet at all. We just need to get behind this. Um, Or if it's more controversial than that, I'll say, 
hold on, my phone is ringing. Um, is this you? Nope. That's so strange. Um, anyway, I screwed up your recording, didn't I, Jess? Good thing Don't I have an editor. Going. Yeah, just keep going. <laughs> um, so all I was going to say is that um, you know, when someone has presented a really clear opinion and people disagree about it, we can get right to that disagreement and resolve it quickly because what we owe that person is a decision. And uh, I think you can focus on that more when you know where someone stands. Sure. You know, um, I'm interested in this topic of humility. Um, I think you guys, your market cap, is your market cap like 1.3 billion? Is that right? Is that what I'm seeing here on NASDAQ? It's something like that. Yeah. That sounds about right. So when you think about an organization of your size, besides just setting the example, what are the ways that you can systematically help more leaders in the organization become humble or, or somebody who's listening who wants to help more of their leaders become, become humble? What, what kind of advice would you have? Well, I think you just have to model the behavior that you want others to embrace. So asking the most junior person in the room what his or her opinion is, listening respectfully to different people, especially though the nut jobs, the heretics, the people <laughs> who have some kind of idea that really runs counter to the conventional wisdom within the company. One of the tenets of my management style is almost to compete with your successor. And what I mean by that is that I've been in a situation where I almost lost my job. And when I did, all I could think about that night was all the dumb ideas that I'd stuck with too long because I didn't want to admit that they were my idea and that they were the wrong idea and that some other schmo would come in and get to undo that and take credit for undoing it when it was the obvious thing to do. And when I got a new lease on life, I decided that I was going to be that schmo. And now I try to look at the business through fresh eyes to think, what if the next CEO came in? What would she immediately see as a problem that I had seen for so long I didn't see it at all? Uh, what tenets of religious conviction need to be overturned? And that's harder and harder to do the longer and longer you've been in the business. And I find that it's helpful, strangely enough, to tell the whole story of the company in a board meeting. And I don't mean that you get useful advice from board members, although we do. I mean that even before that happens, you have to build this coherent narrative of here's what we've done, here's what's really going on in the business without any of the usual baloney. And when you focus on that question, before anyone else tells you you've made a mistake, you see it yourself. And so I just think trying to see the business through other people's eyes is easier if you tell the truth to yourself, if you use metrics, but also if you listen. So that's what's helped me. I love it. Well, we like to break the interviews into two parts so people can listen uh -huh. one half on the way to the, to work and one half on the commute home. So <laughs> okay. uh, one of my favorite questions, maybe to end part one of the interview here, I've been asking folks lately is, if you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some advice, what do you think it would be? Get enough sleep. I know that's such a trend now, but there are so many times when I look back on my career where I bit someone's head off, where I was cranky, where I made bad decisions where it was late on a Friday afternoon and I said, oh, all right. And really, I just wasn't at my best self. And now I believe that the energy of the company has to come from its leaders. And if you come in with low energy or bad energy, which is so easy to do because it's so much pressure trying to figure out 
what product to build and how to sell it and how to get the world to take note of it, that you could be cranky with the people around you. And your contributions are really insignificant compared to your effect on everyone else's contributions. I come home now and I tell my wife that we shouldn't even call work work. We should call it talk. And I shouldn't even wear jeans and a t-shirt. I should wear a cheerleading outfit because my main job is to encourage other people. And she says, exactly. So I think the other part of this that, that we don't really talk about is just the emotional part of it, that if someone loved Redfin more than I did, if someone had more passion for that job than I do, then she should be the CEO. And so making sure that I have that energy every day and that I take care of myself so that I can take care of everyone else when I get here is what I didn't get when I first started at Redfin. And I would add to that that I've known people who have reported to big shot CEOs, and I've seen them at dinner being asked the question, well, what was she like? What was he like? And I hear the air leave the room. I hear everyone get quiet because a verdict is about to be delivered. And in that space, I always wonder, what will people say about me? And that thought occurred to me occasionally when I was in my 20s, more frequently in my 30s. And now I think about it all the time. I'm going to be as proud of the people I've mentored and helped to grow as I am of Redfin's market capitalization or going public or anything like that. And my goal is if I get a chance to start another company or run another company, that everyone will run, want to run it back with me, that, um, that all those people will want to do it again uh, because we love each other so much. I love it. Well, everybody, tune in to part two of our interview. We're going to ask Glenn some more questions about this. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York, and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.